Welcome back to our podcast. Taja, how everyone? Where were we? Can you give an example of a situation in which you have used respectful parenting? Oh gosh. So mm. last night, my four-year-old, he gets screen time while I'm putting the two-year-old to bed. <clears throat> and the show ended, like, I don't know if any other parent is also like there for the resistance that's going to come and like whining. And he he he's in this new habit of saying, you know, if I don't get to do what I want to do, I'm not going to listen to you. And I was like, that's not going to work for us. I was like, okay, um, that I have a problem with that. And I'm going to put it on the, on the family meeting agenda because my son is now four. We have weekly family meetings where we talk about these things, these issues, these, these, uh, repeated unwanted behaviors that we're experiencing. And so I put it on there and then I came back to him and I was like, okay, I've calmed down because I added it to the family meeting agenda. We'll talk about it at another time. I understand you wish you could keep watching your show and it's still time for the bath. Do you want to bring your cup or we have this like a uh, spray bottle? Do you want to bring your cups or your spray bottle into the bath? You can decide. And he was like, like all moody about it for a little bit. And then we moved on and he was, I don't want either. I just want to relax in the bath. <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, no problem. No problem. Moved right into the bath. Then we walked into the bath. I think that's yeah. awesome. In your, in your family meetings, uh, does he raise issues with you? Does he talk about things as well like that? I'm interested to know because at four years old. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to tell Kira we're going to do family meeting now. Every, I don't know, Fridays or something. I'm going to use it. On, can, I, can I use it on my three-year-old? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I also feel like Kira's comprehension seems quite advanced. I'm writing that down in my notes. Yeah. I'm interested to know what he tells you that maybe you, you haven't put on the list. <laughs> I mean, he, he can't quite write. Um, so he will tell me like, we need to put this on the list. And there was one thing I'm trying to remember what it exactly was, but he was like, um, he, he told me he was, I don't like it when data sits on me on the couch. <laughs> like, so we have like a, like a tight love seat. So if the three of us are sitting together for an evening book, like it's a tight squeeze. And I guess he felt that he was being squished. So he really felt like I, I got to address this situation at the family meeting and we talked about it but really it's a time for us to say it's a calm time for us to come as a family and say I have a problem with x can we think of a solution so rather than always focusing on you need to stop doing that you need to correct that behavior we invite him we encourage him to share his suggestions so the greatest success story that came out of a family meeting for our household was that I had a really big problem with him constantly getting up out of his seat and walking around the kitchen when we were eating dinner. And, you know, I've been like trying to implement natural and logical consequences and it just, it wasn't sticking. So I had to like pivot. I was like, I'm going to talk about this at the family meeting, brought it up. I have a really big problem with you getting up while we're all trying to eat. It's very distracting. And I really wish that you could sit in your chair a little bit longer. Can you help me think of a solution that would make it more comfortable for you to stay at the dinner table? I expected him to just like give off the wall suggestions. And he goes, I don't like where I sit at the table. Can I move? Can I change chairs with Owen, his younger brother? It's like, yeah, that's, that's great. Okay. Dinner moved their high chairs around no problem sat in his chair the whole time and it That's hasn't amazing. been an issue 
Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. want to do family meetings. Yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try it out. I'll let you know how it goes because I'm having issues. I'd like I want to actually ask you your opinion. First, something small. Uh, my daughter is potty training at the moment. She is fully potty trained for pee, and poo is a big problem in mm -hmm. our house. She only want she the day cat was at the house, and she it was like, I want a diaper, and that went into a full blown tantrum. She was screaming and crying, and wasn't getting her way. I don't don't didn't know how, to, how what to do in that situation. I kind of just switch off. I just start to say to her like, well, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to use the bathroom, and eventually. What happens is she'll just hold her poo in and it it'll just get it'll just happen for another day and probably the same situation would happen again. So should I talk to her about this when our family meeting and ask can we come up with something together? I'm just worried I ask her this mm -hmm. and she's just like, You're gonna give mm -hmm. me the diaper mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's it. You know? So have you ever had any issues? Do you help people out how to, you know, address something for potty training have you had any problems with potty training that's what I'm asking <laughs> um so I I am not a like a potty learning um expert like the better um yeah but I in thinking of your experience I do I think one one idea would be when she's asking for the diaper to offer emotional support before we come in with the logic and the reasoning some it sometimes just that is more effective to connect with our child to say like, you know, you really want the diaper or you're really upset that I'm not going to give you the diaper, honey. And then we can go into redirecting the behavior. You know, you can either have some water or you can go sit on the potty if you'd like. And I think that especially as our children get a little bit older and they have more language skills and they have more autonomy and abilities, we're really tempted to talk to them and reason and try and convince them to see our perspective as well. But at that age, the children, children are still developing their emotional skills. They're, they're still kind of living in the moment and they need that emotional connection in order for mm -hmm. us to like help them move forward. So that's one approach. And then I think if you wanted to talk about it at a family meeting, I would say that's up to your discretion. Some children, like yeah. my kids, will talk, you know, they'll march right into the bathroom while I'm in there and I'm like ah but other children <laughs> they they really do want their privacy and if that's your I would say maybe that's more yes. of a conversation you have one-on-one -on -one in private away from the bathroom or any kind of recent I, I actually didn't think of giving her emotional support actually I was really I feel bad now because thinking back on it I think I was really cold hey cat. I was a little bit like, okay, you're not getting the diaper. Uh, so if you want, just go to the bathroom and stand there. But if you poo in your, I was like, if you poo in your panties, mistakes happens. And then, and then she was upset, maybe got up from the chair and gone to her and told her, I'm sorry. I know it's hard because it is, I, I forget. Maybe it was hard for me. I don't know. We spoke about this cat. We were like, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't have issues. I don't understand. Emotional support is not always giving hugs, right? And yeah, of course. And I do just want to like address what you say about like the emotional validation. Like, yes, yes. that does look like a yes. comforting hug of, you know, gently rubbing their back or you know, even just an, a hand on their shoulder or their arm. That is a very warm way of connecting with your child but it also kind of goes yeah. back to what um Kat pointed out at the beginning about like it also looks like active listening and mm. I think like it's about yes saying your emotions are valid but it's also helping our kids see like 
mom gets it. They understand and they still love me. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about emotionally validating our child and that is crucial for their emotional well-being and development. But moreover, it helps to communicate to our child that their feelings are recognized, accepted, and valued. Like it reassures them that their that yes. their feelings, whether positive or negative, are valid and understandable, even if the behavior isn't acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that answers my uh, question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> scenario. I uh, no, no, it was it was lovely because I forget and I tend to just I try so hard to connect with her. I'm always worried that I'm damaging my child because I uh, I can be quite supportive when she's having her tantrums, but sometimes there is times when I'm just like, "Why are you being like this?" why why do you have to act like this right now and she does this thing where she screams she'll scream on top of her lungs and I just don't know what to do I just stand there staring at her (laughs) I at the end of the day I'm so tired that I just can't even be bothered to do anything I just stand there like okay we're doing this now so I'm going to also scream and then I scream and I actually feel quite a lot better and then I look at her and I'm like, are we, are we done now? Okay, good. Okay. And then we'll, that's it. That, and then it ends there because she'll look at me like crazy person. Why have you done that? But yes, I wanted to know, like in that moment when they're freaking out, do I approach them? Do I give them a hug and say, I know that you're upset. Sometimes giving her a hug, it calms her down, but other times it can get her more mm-hmm. riled up and, and start wanting to hit me or kick me or scratch me. Um, it's not that she's a bad child. I was trying to explain to a colleague, like she scratched me the other day on my arm with clothes on and she ripped her nail. And then I asked her, I, I said to her, and she showed me like, mommy, look, there's blood. And then I said to her, well, you see, this is what happens if you just scratch me. Now, now you've hurt yourself. And then she was really upset about that. And then she asked me to forgive her. And she was like, I'm sorry if I hurt you. And I was like, you didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt. I actually didn't notice until after it happened. Um, and then, and then she was shocked. Like, why would your child scratch you? Like, oh my goodness, that's not a good behavior. And that's all she took from that conversation. And I was more talking to her to get comfort. Like, it's okay. You know, kids have tantrums. And, and the, and the reaction was, that's not a good that like your child's not good like she scratched you and like I my child never did that feel judged me stop yeah talking and was like yeah okay. yeah yeah and I felt re- really judged so in that situation how can I go about you know doing it in a respectful way and then not reacting in a hot-headed hot-headed way yeah ashamed because mm-hmm. I feel because I think I, sh- I, I the, when she when she got hurt the first thing I said was you see that's what you get when you scratch me and I and then I felt bad for saying that when I saw there was blood and then I did give her a hug and was like oh my gosh my baby's nail and then it was over the tantrum was over because I was more like my baby's bleeding <laughs> um so how do I do it in a way that I don't react and she, she doesn't get to that point mm-hmm. so First off, like, let's also just reset our expectations of, like, tantrums, right? That is a normal Mm. part of your child's development. You can be a seasoned parent. You can be, you know, 
really well trained in all of this, but tantrums are just, they're going to happen because they are a way our children learn how to self-regulate their emotions. So we should never think of a tantrum as us doing a bad job or like my kid is bad or this is something I need to stop and control. We need to kind of break away from that and just understand this is my child's expression of them having a very hard time. Moreover, when they are in, when they are having a tantrum, they essentially move into survival mode. Their brains are so flooded with stress hormones that they cannot connect with you or they cannot hear your reasoning and logic. You can explain I can't get you the toy. Christmas is coming up. It's on your birthday. Which blah, blah, blah. Like they can't hear that. You can't convince them to not feel the way they're feeling. So that's why there is a lot of emphasis put on the emotional support, remaining close and calm, which is so much easier said than done. But, but really your child cannot come out of that red zone of their tantrum until they feel safe again. So they need to feel like their parent or caregiver or guardian is a safe space and that they can calm down so I'm not saying like oh don't ever yell or shout I've definitely been the parent who's Mm. shouting you need to calm down which is like such a confusing message (laughs) (laughs) like so like all that is to say if, if we're really struggling it's completely appropriate if your child is physically safe to step away, take 10 deep breaths. That can help us calm down. It can help us get out of our own flight or fight, flight or fight mode. Shoulders are creeping up. You're getting a little tense. I know my jaw clenches so hard. I feel like my teeth are going to shatter. I generally say like, I'm getting, I'm feeling really frustrated and I'm not saying I I never want to tell my child, you're making me feel frustrated. It's I'm feeling frustrated mm-hmm. and I need to go calm my body down. I did it last night at dinner. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like running around. It was crazy. I was like trying to open up the, the 400 degree oven when you take out a frozen pizza and everyone's just like, this is the time for us to play with pots and pans. And I just like stood up and I was like, I'm feeling really mad. And then even just mm-hmm. saying that to myself, like I could release it. I was like, okay, I came back to yeah. myself and I could move forward. So in that moment, I would really encourage you to just take a, take a moment to yourself just to breathe, come back, connect, take a glass, drink a glass of water or whatever you need to just kind of come back to your center. And then when we do lose our temper, when we get frustrated, that's a, that's a part mm-hmm. of being human, right? To say that we can't yeah. ever get mad or frustrated is impossible. And that's why it's really important then to come back to your child and apologize for your part of the exchange. Oh, yes. I always apologize to her. I have told her because there have been times where I've lost my cool and, you know, lashed out. I realize now when you say children need to come down from the red zone when they feel safe. And so when I reacted to her blood, I think it like diffused the whole situation thinking about it now and and then she just snapped out of her tantrum and was more more for me like oh my gosh we need we I need to get a plaster and like check that the whole nail is still on so yeah I I think I'm going to use that from now on 
because I do say I'm very irritated and she's learned the word that she's she knows how to say she says that quite often that she's frustrated mm -hmm. when you ask her like why are you upset she'll say I'm frustrated and I'm irritated so I will start saying like I am upset or frustrated and I need to go calm down mm -hmm. and then I'll take a few minutes but do you know, I noticed because you apologize to her, she also apologizes to you without you asking her to apologize. So the other day she got really annoyed because she wanted some water on a tissue. And she was like, not right now, Kira, we're working. So we were not going to put water on the tissue. Just use the tissue dry. She was like, but I want water. And then Cheryl was like, okay, well, you can go and put water on it yourself, but I can't do that right now because I'm busy. And she was like, ah, and then she walked past and she didn't kick the dog she like has her little dog was there she like kicked as if she was gonna kick the dog but didn't kick the dog um just like angry mm -hmm. and then I was like oh I was like Kira don't kick Taz and then she stormed off and then wet her towel her tissue and came back and was like I'm sorry I nearly kicked Taz and we were like it's okay and then she just carried on doing what she was doing so she knew what she'd done was wrong even though she didn't actually kick him and I think she I don't think she would have intentionally kicked him she just kind of like ah near him um and she came back straight away apologized without you asking her to apologize um one thing I wanted to ask actually I'm really interested to know this um because I am gonna obviously be a mum soon and be raising my child in Taiwan what what would you say if you put all of this work into this parent strategy and it works for you and it works for your family and you see the benefits what if the school don't follow similar guidelines and rules because they spend eight hours a day at mm. school with the same teacher every day they I know from being a teacher that my students that when I worked with younger students they would see me Monday to Friday I was their only teacher for eight hours a day. I saw them more than their parents saw them. I have more influence on them than their parents have on them. So what would you say if the the school, uh, yeah, that the school don't align with the same style that we're teaching at home? Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen. I think there is this misconception um, or maybe it's even like a judgment on the gentle or respectful parenting approach where it's like, oh, you know, the world's a and I got to tough my kid, like I got to toughen my kid up. Not, no, no one's going to care about their feelings. No one's going to mm. ask how they're feeling. And the aim is not to have everyone treat my child the same way, right? Like I'm not going to expect my son's teacher to, you know, soothe him or comfort him when he's having a tantrum in the same way that I will. It's a different environment. The relationship is different. Rather, when I put my energy into supporting my child at home, and helping them build the self-confidence and self-esteem to know that the rules, the boundaries, the limits and expectations at school are different. And it's really, my, parents are the biggest influence on their children. And that's why we talk also a lot about modeling the behavior you want to see. So if you want your kid to have good manners, you, you know, say please and thank you to your kid at home. And I think that while the rules or whatever at school might be a little bit different, if we're putting in the effort of just setting our kids up for well-rounded success at home, it's going to help them be equally successful at school. And especially children will 
I, I think a lot of children actually do respond quite favorably to the structure of the school environment. And so having that can also work in your favor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a I, battle you can't really win. Was that win. like enough of an answer? Yeah, no, it is. I just, I think it's a battle that you can't really win, right? It's um, the only thing mm -hmm. I'm worried about is if they call me and tell me something like, like we said earlier, like, oh, he wasn't sharing with the, with another kid. And then it's kind of that battle of, well, actually, I don't think he should be sharing right now. He's two. He doesn't understand that. And then them saying, mm -hmm. at school, we try to teach them they need to share. It's like, am I going to have a lot of this back and forth with 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 teachers because we have different mindsets on what our children's development should be and what stages they should be at? You know, I... I yeah. And yeah. I wonder if that's an opportunity for you to say like, yeah, I know that's something we're working on at home too. We're starting off by really focusing on him taking turns right now. Can you help us help him learn to take turns? Can mm -hmm. we work on that? And then maybe it's also not help seeing if the school can also like align with you in these little ways and signal to them that you mm -hmm. recognize yeah, I don't want my kid to grow up being selfish, but or unwilling to share. But I can, I I recognize that there are these little steps that we need to take to get us to this bigger yeah. end goal. Can you help us with this one yeah. more focused area? I don't. I I mean that's completely contingent upon your school and you know the the reception. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's important but... to find a way to communicate with the teacher, right? Yes, because I had this, you posted something the other day about mm -hmm. biting, and I was like, cat, I had this issue, and in Taiwan, I feel that it's, children don't bite, it's like something that they've never seen, because when Kira started biting, it was almost like she was a criminal, like I felt like we were being treated so terribly not by the teacher, just by parents, because I had to, I had to do, go to a disciplinary hearing for my two-year-old at the time because she had bit a friend at school and I had and it was like a huge thing they phoned me I had to drive to the school and apologize profusely to the parents and the parents were like why why is she biting why did you teach your child to do this and it was it just made me feel that I was a very big failure and I had to bring gifts to say sorry again. And the parents even then were like, we don't want our child near your child because, you know, last time it she he was bitten. Um, and she and, and every week it was like a different child she would bite. And I tried to explain to the teachers because her, her Mandarin at the time, we speak English at home, wasn't good. And maybe she's trying to communicate something or something happened and maybe the the friend didn't understand, but they told me that it was unprovoked always. So it's a little bit hard because when you're trying to explain it with the teacher and they don't uh, reciprocate your um, suggestions that maybe it could be this or that mm. problem, um, it's harder. Understanding, maybe understanding of why it's happening. Mm. What is it because of what, 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 what did the post say? Biting is, at, at this age, you know, generally like what around the around two years is more of an expression of like I have a really big feeling I cannot and I don't have the language to verbalize how I'm feeling so I get really mad that my friend took my toy 
or it's even, I'm so excited. And I think a lot of other parents have gotten that bite on their shoulder when they're, they hug their kid and then their kid bites them. It's not, I, and when, when we kind of think that like our child just simply doesn't have the language to express their feeling and they resort to biting, when we kind of take on that perspective rather than like, this is a behavior I need to stop, we can actually more proactively address the biting. So, you know, I'm sure Kira had her her reasons and logic for biting. Maybe we, we don't know her perspective because it didn't happen when we were with her, but there was probably a reason in the, the when we can identify those triggers or the pattern in the behavior, we can more effectively address it. And a really big part of it is also intervening to prevent them from biting. I think we often react to the biting, but if we can tune in and say, you know, this child is having a hard time not biting when they're playing with others, we can move closer. And sometimes our physical presence signals to them like, okay, I have a safe place if I'm feeling a feeling, there, there's someone here to support me. And then when you kind of see them getting a little worked up, just gently touching their shoulder and saying like, hey, honey, I, I see you want to bite and I'm not going to let you. And you can redirect them if it's appropriate or just, you know, stop the behavior and say like, I'm here to keep everyone normal. It is a normal thing. <clears throat> yes. I, okay. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had did so much research on <laughs> yeah. this because I was like, my child is a biter. Yeah. I don't know why. And I did exactly that. Every time I would see her get really excited, she would, you know, bite a friend here and there. But I always stepped in and was like, Kira, please don't do what I think you're <laughs> like going you to knew. do. It's and coming. It's coming. And smile. And I, I was like, <clears throat> I, I was like, coming and I don't want these parents to get upset because, um, you know, but it took me a while because... I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know biting was a thing. I, I Until it happened to my child doing it, I was just like, I didn't know that I had so many things that I had to think about sending her to school. And I just feel that the school she was at, I had took her out because they did not address it. All they did was phone me and tell me what she's done instead of telling her that it's not okay. And then um, punishing her so they'd like remove her from the class. But for not like, for, for hours they would say like they would like take her out and she wasn't allowed to be part of the birthday party and you know how I am Kat it, I heard that and it just made me cry and I started getting really upset because I was like she's only two like she at that time had just turned two so I was just saying to them like I just feel that you guys are treating my child like she is a big problem and like a criminal because I was just saying I would hope that people can understand that okay, kids do this. And every and then when I said that, they kept telling me like, no, but children don't do this. And then it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong or your your child's weird or something. You know, I, you see it a lot when, um, mm -hmm. parents, like the, in England right now, it reminds me, they do something really awesome, house awareness days where um, I think on certain days, like a Tuesday from a certain time, they'll give like a two hour period they turn all the lights down and all the music off in supermarkets and they allow anyone that's got um, any disabilities or children with autism or learning difficulties, it's their time to go around the supermarket so they can go and shop. Because you know when you see mums with kids and you never know if that kid has a learning disability or not and they're struggling in the supermarket and they're screaming and they're crying. If I ever hear that, I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not, but I just refuse to look. I just walk past and I don't stare. I don't look. 
Um, cause I just, I feel so bad for the mum that I don't want them to feel like they're being judged by other people. Like, Oh, look, here they go again. Oh, look, their kids crying, their kids screaming. And I feel like it's like a similar thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, when people question that, Oh, why is your child biting? My child didn't bite instead of, Oh, I heard that's a phase. I'm lucky enough. My child didn't go through that phase, but apparently it's quite normal instead of this like mum shaming almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I I did send your Instagram your reel to everyone that told me that was normal. In South Africa, we're like, it's so normal, Cheryl. It's so, and I was like, it's not. No other child has done this except my child. Like, and then I sent it. And I was like, oh, I feel so much better. But as I was telling Kat earlier, like, oh, she, I wish I had seen that when she was at that phase because at that phase I was groveling for anybody. I would tell any parent I met about this biting and they would be so shocked that I was just like I can't I should not even say anything because now my child looks like a now they don't want my child to play with their child probably I think I also as a parent like if I was in 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 your place Cheryl I would really be similarly upset to hear that my child was removed from a particular activity isolated because it does perpetuate this idea that like you need to be contained you are out of control and I imagine that if I was yeah. in Kira's place and I bite someone because I'm feeling something that I, I don't know how to share with someone and then I'm told you need to go over here, I'm just going to feel more mm-hmm. alone with my feelings and more like no one gets me, no one understands me. And I think that's yeah. why <laughs> I think <laughs> sorry. And and I and I think that's why, you know, it's, it's basically the equivalent of a school yeah. timeout, right? So that's why it's not always helpful to send. It, it's, I don't think it's ever really helpful yeah. to send a child away and isolate them and, you know, essentially try and shame them out of their behavior because it's just not effective yeah. in a long term. Kids get sense. embarrassed. I'm really sorry that you experienced yeah. that. Yeah. Kids get deeply embarrassed. Yeah, it's, it was a hard time. Like I was really going through it and I, I remember just trying to find anyone that would give me comfort. I didn't know Kat at that time. So I, w- I was just asking everybody and they kept. No, because you were hanging around with people that were really of a similar mindset. And then when we met, it would, this is why we started the podcast, because we yeah. started talking and Cheryl would be like, you know, she does this. And I'm like, I'm sure it's normal, Cheryl. And she's like, no. And then all you have to do is Google it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is pretty normal. Like, and then yeah. that's why we started discussing what like, we need to like start a, a community and a podcast where we talk about this thing, because just from seeing your real feel so much better about her parenting and continues to do that and I just think having conversations and being open about it with each other and no shaming that's absolutely fine like it's normal um could you just let our audience know a bit about your parental coaching so you're a parental coach for respectful parenting um I know you do a 30 minute free consultation if I'm Mm -hmm. right yeah and um just Mm -hmm. kind of like what that consultation entails what the packages and ebooks entail and who is right for this type of coaching? Sure. So many parents come to me because they have a specific challenge they're experiencing. Their toddler is suddenly throwing a lot of tantrums. Um, they're having a really hard time at drop-off at school, biting or hitting. Um, strong preference for one parent over the other, those types of things. And within the 30-minute consultation, we talk through what's going on and walk through some of the positive discipline tools 
that can help this parent address that particular issue. It's a very focused conversation to equip parents with with an action plan, so to speak. And then from there, usually the conversation just kind of keeps going about how do we sustain, maintain this positive momentum. I think I think the coaching and workshops are well suited for parents who are familiar with some of the positive discipline or respectful parenting tools like offering this or that choices and validating our child's emotions, but they need a little additional support connecting these dots to the greater respectful parenting approach. Like I hear from a lot of parents, like I know I'm supposed to stay calm, but then they throw a tantrum and it's like, I freeze and I forget, or I do that and it works, but only sometimes. And then I don't know what to do. So the coaching and workshops help internalize the approach and the positive discipline tools so you can respond and adapt mm-hmm. with confidence. And I suppose allows for consistency also because it's very easy to give up if something doesn't work for the first time. Absolutely. And then we tend to default to usually, you know, the, the parenting style we grew up with. You know, we were like, this is what I know. This is what I'm familiar with. Um, So we can link all of your websites and your Instagram and everything below if anyone's interested. I really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for taking out the time. I'm so happy we were able to connect. I've loved your recent episodes and hearing a lot from your listeners. And it's kind of remarkable how even like across so many countries, these parts of our childhood that we want to preserve in a really positive way are so similar yeah yeah honor has been really good I feel like we've made a friend it's almost like I don't want to say bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I would I would love to like come back and chat more because I could really I I do talk about this all day (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. that would be great whenever you have time of course and chat good 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 luck I I never know what to say but I'll be thinking of you sending you warm wishes for a really healthy delivery and a warm positive recovery thank you so much i'm getting very nervous now we'll we'll (laughs) let you know when 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 the little ones arrived yeah yeah yeah, definitely thank you so much janice thank you all so much have a great night and have a good day okay i think we'll leave it there this week okay thanks for listening everyone and we'll catch you next week Bye. bye